chapter 17 tonight. Judges chapter 17. They're going to put it on the board. We're going to, we're going to read the whole chapter. It won't take long to read it. Judges chapter 17. I want to preach tonight on bringing back the glory. Bringing back the glory. Definitely this nation needs that. But you know, we can go to the Old Testament scripture here and we can see that back in that day and time, they needed it also. Look at chapter 17. And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it, and his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. Isn't that strange? He stole the money, and she said, Bless you, son. <laughs> That's what's wrong with our nation today, folks. And when he had restored the 1100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a house of gods and made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of, these, one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and so he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now I know that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Let's stand and go to God in a word of prayer tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in this place this evening. We're thankful, Lord, to be able to open up the Word of God. We're thankful for the singing that we've heard tonight. Thankful for each one that's present tonight, each one that's listening online. And God, you know the need that each person has tonight. And I pray, God, that you'd meet that need. If it's salvation, I pray you'd reach down and touch their soul, touch their heart. Make them realize that they can come to you in just a matter of moments and call upon your name. And the Bible says that you'd save them. I just pray, Heavenly Father, for the camp meeting that's coming up. It'll soon be here. I pray for Camp Joy that's coming up. A lot of things, God, going on. We want to bring honor and glory to your name and all these things. Help me tonight to preach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bring back the glory. I want to say tonight, first of all, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of our Christian heritage that this nation has had. I thank God that I was born here. I could have been born in Africa or Egypt or somewhere else. Thank God I was born here. I respect our founding fathers. A lot of people don't respect that anymore, but I respect our founding fathers. I stand in awe of the sacrifices made by millions who have fought for the freedoms I now enjoy. Many have gave some, some have given all. Many people have died. Many people have lost limbs. Many people are permanently crippled fighting for the freedom of this nation. 
I love my freedom of speech. I love my freedom of religion. I love my freedom of assembly. I love my freedom of right, the right to bear arms. I love this nation. I love America. And because I love America, I want for God to save us from the impending doom for which we are unwittingly headed. A number of our fellow Americans do not appreciate America and they're begging for God to judge us. And could be he's judging us some already. But I think there's going to be more judgment ahead if things don't change. Today, we ask him to hold off his judgment and send us a national revival. In, James, in Judges chapter 17 and verse number 6, the Bible says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That sounds like today in America. And then in Judges 21, 25, it says nearly the same thing. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Two times, the Bible says there was no king in Israel, and everyone did exactly what they wanted to do. Whatever was right in their own eyes, that's what they did. And I want to say that's where we are at in this nation today. Now, what does that mean when it says that everybody did what was right in their own eyes? Well, number one, there was no real leader. There was no absolute truth, no absolute authority. And we know that they had lost their moral compass. And I'm afraid that's where we're at today. There's a lot of parallels in this scripture today with the United States of America. God's people had moved away from moral absolutes. And the whole nation believed anything they wanted and did just whatever felt good and they wanted to do. In America, we need a moral, spiritual revival or we're doomed. I believe that with all my heart. If we don't get that revival, and, and, and I'll tell you how it's going to come, folks. It's going to come with God's people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Until the church does this, until God's people does this, we're not going to see a revival. God's not going to send one because we don't deserve one. This is my fear, and it fits well into biblical prophecy. Anytime a nation goes down wrong roads and experiences the judgment of God, it happens in this order. First of all, moral decay in the home. We see that, don't we? The home, moral decay. Secondly, moral decay in the church. We see that. You say, well, Brother Danny, where do we see that? Well, many churches have taken the Word of God, which is the King James Bible, and they just throw it aside. Just got rid of it. Pastor, when you and I started preaching... Everybody used this Bible right here. But it wasn't long until the NIV came out. I call it the New Ignorant Version. It came out, and people began to take hold of that for some reason. I don't know why. But they, the old King James wasn't good enough. I got saved by it. I was called to preach by preachers preaching it. But for some reason, it got to be that it wasn't good enough for everybody to use at home and in the church. And entire denominations now have switched over to different versions of the Bible. So there's moral decay in the home. That happens, number one. Moral decay in the church. That happens, number two. And finally, moral decay in the government. As a home goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes the nation. Now, I want to share with you about three or four things tonight that will bring back the glory to this nation before it's too late. First, first of all, families with the foundation. We must have foundation in our families. Anything you build, you have to have a foundation. If I decide I want to build a house and I go across the road from where I live. Now, I've got a good foundation under my house, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it quick, okay? And so I'm not going to put in a foundation. I'm just going to put up the walls. I'm going to put the roof on it, and uh, it's going to look good. You're going to drive by the house, and you're going to say, man, that house looks great. That's a beautiful home. But you know what's going to happen? It's going to begin to decay. Yeah. 
because there's no foundation there. And that's what's happening to our homes. Now, as we look here in this passage of Scripture, we need to understand something there. Not only was there no real leader, no absolute truth, but there was no spiritual authority. Now, Daddy, I want to tell you something. That spiritual authority is your responsibility. And if you're going to have a foundation, you need to be sure that you are the one that puts that foundation under that home. Now, you can, you can say uh, to your wife, you know, you need to do this. I got to go to work. I understand all of that, okay? But do you have prayer with your family? Do you pray with them each and every day? Do you have a Bible time together? If not, then you're, you're, you're in for trouble, okay? You're going to see the moral decay in your home. Your young families need to really get a hold of this. Get a hold of it now because if you don't start now, it's not going to be easy to start later when the kids become teenagers and they're running here and there. So you need to understand something that uh, as you begin to look at, at your home, does it have a biblical foundation? And that's the only foundation that's going to last. Now, notice in verses 1 through 6 there in that passage of Scripture, the Bible says there, if you read the verses 1 through 6, there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said unto his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest. So she cursed because they were gone, the money. And speakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. As mother said, blessed be thou, the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make thee a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And notice verse 5, the man Micah had a house of gods and made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Now, as we look there, this is not the prophet Micah, okay? I don't want you to confuse the two of them. This was a spoiled brat, this kid was. And so his mother saved money, and he decided to steal it, 1,100 shekels of silver. Now, the Bible says there that she didn't know who the thief was, so she pronounced a curse upon him. The boy got scared when he heard that the, uh, the curse had been put on him. He returned it not out of conviction, but out of fear. Rather than scolding him, she blessed him. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like she was calling evil good and good evil. That kind of sounds familiar today, doesn't it? She was glad to get the money back, so she was dedicated to the Lord, and then she made an idol with it. Of course, the Bible strictly forbids this sort of idol worship. Now, this is how spiritually blind they become in their apostasy. The first five verses of Scripture there tells us all we need to know about this family. If you didn't read anything else, it tells us all we need to know about them. Far removed from the true worship of God, thinking this was doing God a favor by making an idol to Him. Now there in verse number five, the Bible said there that we read that Micah had a house full of idols. He was steep in idol worship. Uh, The Bible says there that uh, we we might say when you walked into his home that he had shelves that was full of different idols that had been made and he put them in his home. And then he appointed his son to become a priest. Son didn't qualify, but it didn't matter to him. It was a spiritual mess. They were self-deceived into believing that they were actually serving God. So in this family, in the first five verses, we have coveting, we have stealing, we have cursing, dishonoring of parents, idolatry, and God knows what else that they were doing. They were morally bankrupt. 
A family was morally bankrupt. Now you say, well, my family's not going to end up that way. Well, I hope it doesn't. But it will if you don't put some things in place. If you don't put a foundation under that home, I'm not talking about a cement foundation now or, or cement block or concrete. I'm talking about a biblical foundation. If you don't put that biblical foundation under that home, that home be morally bankrupt. If you don't build upon that foundation day in and day out, prayer, Bible study, take a few verses of Scripture and expound upon them. I'm not saying you've got to have an hour and a half message each day for the kids. I'm just saying to, to expound upon a little bit of Scripture. But the Bible says here they were morally bankrupt. But if you would have gone to them and confronted them about what they were doing, they would have said, that's just your opinion. This is the way we want to do it. We do what's right in our own eyes. That's where America is today. Some people say, well, we need more religion. We've got too much religion now. We're up to our ears in religion. We need Christianity. We need saints of God is what we need. But we've left the absolute Bible authority and its truth, its standards, and its morality. This lack of biblical conviction infiltrates even many families in good Bible churches. You can look around and see parents are losing their kids because we're not the examples we need to be. We want to, them to obey, but they see us going our own way personally. Our inconsistencies would be magnified in our kids just as Micah's mother's issues were magnified in his life. Let me give you an example. In a small Missouri town, two preacher's boys were playing with a little dog they found. And a little black dog had a white tail. They wanted to keep the dog. They fell in love with that little old dog. And they'd play with him every time they'd get a chance. They'd, they'd pet him and they'd run and play. And the dog would run and play with them. Then they heard about a new family that moved in and how they had lost their dog, which was a little black dog with a white tail. And so dad, he didn't want to lose that dog either. He didn't want to give that dog up. So he painted the white tail black. And when the new neighbors asked about whether this could be their dog, he lied and said, no, the tails are wrong color. Do you know the names of these boys? Jesse and Frank James. Now think about that. Their daddy was a preacher. And yet look what he did. He lied. And the sons thought, you know, we can have anything we want. We can just take, we want to rob the railroad, we'll just go rob it. We'll take what's, what's in it. We'll take all the money. We want to go rob the bank downtown, we'll go rob the bank downtown. Dad wouldn't care. I mean, Dad helped steal the dog. All started with a dog now, folks. So realize that your children are watching you do everything that you do. As parents, we don't get what we want. We get what we are. And I share this because bringing back the glory to America has much more to do with my house and your house than it does the White House. We need families with a foundation. And if that family doesn't have that biblical foundation, that family is going to fail. Secondly, we need preachers with principles. Notice verse number seven there. Bring that up, if you will. There was a young man of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And then verses eight through 13, that this was a priest. You might say there was a preacher that was out of a job, and he, he was looking for some place to go. Verse number eight says, And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Which camest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn, sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest. I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. 
And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now, now know I the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to be my priest. Now this man came, and he had lots of needs. And he, his path crosses the ungodly path of Micah, who says, Boy, I've got a deal for you. I mean, you can serve me, you can serve God. And I'll just take care of you. He knew his son was not a real priest, so he tries to get this priest to move in. He feels good about being religious. You know, we've got a world full of people who feels good about being religious. They're not Christians. They've never been saved by the blood of Christ, but they feel good about being religious. Religion sends more people to hell than anything else does. When man feels self-righteous, he doesn't admit his sin nor turn to God for his righteousness. The priest proved himself to be a harlem because he agrees and just works for the money. Now, notice in chapter 18 and verse number four, the Bible says there, and he said unto them, thus and thus dealeth Micah with me and hath hired me and I am his priest. Ever, ever so often, pastor, I hear churches say we hired a new preacher. And this very scripture comes back to my mind. We hired a new preacher. <laughs> just like you know, just like working for the railroad or something. I mean, you know, a hardy new preacher. Yeah, he's a hardy. Now listen, John chapter 10, verse 11. The Bible says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a harling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leareth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. The harling fleeth because he's a harling and careth not for the sheep. This man was nothing but a harling. They hired him to be a priest. Now, we got preachers here that sometime will probably be a pastor in a church somewhere. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but, you know, don't let them hire you, okay? Don't let them hire you. You're, you're working for Jesus. You're not working for somebody else. Don't worry about being hired. Now, let me tell you the difference between a true man of God and a hireling. The hireling is committed only to himself and keeping his salary, not the truth of God's word. Okay? Now, if you go to Bible college and cemetery, I mean seminary, they'll teach you how to make resumes. I never did try to make one out. But they'll teach you how to make out resumes and you can send that resume to various churches and they'll look at that resume and they may hire you. I use the word hire. They may hire you as the pastor of that church. You'd be lucky if they don't. Amen. The hiring's committed only to himself. He's worried about himself. He's not worried about the flock of God. He's not worried. He's not concerned about the people that God has put him over. The man of God will tell the truth even though it causes some people to jump ship. Now, I've pastored for a lot of years and I've had a lot of people jump ship down through the years. they get mad at something I'd say or mad at something I'd preach. I remember one time a lady uh, brought her daughter in and, and the guy she was living with and I said something about uh, cohabitation, living together. We called it shacking up when I was a child. And I mentioned that and boy, did she ever get... Mad. I mean, she began to fume. I mean, you can just see the, the redness come up in her neck and in her face. And, and I thought, well, 
She's going to have to get right or get over it, one or the other. And, uh, but the man of God would tell the truth no matter what happens. The hireling preaches to the offering plates. That's what he's after. He's not after souls. He's not after helping you. He's after the offering plate. And that's what he's after. And you, are you saying the preacher shouldn't be paid? No, the Bible says those that preach the gospel should live the gospel. Matter of fact, it says they're worthy of double honor. But the hireling tells people what they want to hear in order to draw a crowd and not offend anybody. And what happens is they wind up offending the very best people in the church that want to hear the truth of God's word. Amen. One thing I like about this church, you hear the truth. It, it may sting you a little bit. It may bite you. But you hear the truth of God's word. Amen. And that's what I like. The Harling's not called of God. He simply chose a career. Now, you preachers out there, if you're going to choose a career, do not choose pastoring a church. Okay? That won't be a, that won't be a good career choice. There's not much wrong with this nation that can be readily fixed with true preachers and fewer Harlings. We need a generation that God will get a hold of to preach the uncompromised Word of God. The very topics today that are politically correct uh, are exactly what we need to be talking about. We need preachers who will say this is not an alternate lifestyle. It's sin. It's sodomy. It's abomination in the sight of God. You may be called a homophobe. You may be called hateful. But I still stand stand on the absolute authority of the Word of God. Which, by the way, supports the fact that God loves those sinners. Our churches are getting caught up in the contemporary worship styles and the fads and self-help topics. We've left off prophetic preaching of the fiery truth of God's word. I think sincere conservative Christian America is getting fed up with coffee shop based churches with their interpretive dance and drama skits and pop psychology from the pulpit. Hate speech legislation is, is the most major thing now in this country. It's also becoming increasingly dangerous to even express disappointment about any of our leaders especially if they're a scoundrel and don't stand for the morals upon which this nation was founded. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And then the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 5, It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of, of fools. Amen. I want you to get a hold of those two verses. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Wouldn't you be my friend if you were telling me the truth instead of my enemy? Sure you would. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Americans are flocking today to hear the songs of fools that are harlings, not committed to the word of God. Your pastor's job is not to fill this auditorium. Your pastor's job is to fill the pulpit, to preach the word of God without apology. And he does that. He needs to fill the air with the truth of God's word. And to bring back the glory, we must have families with a foundation, preachers with principles. And number three, we need government with God. Now, hang with me there. Verse 17, chapter 17, verse 6 says in that scripture, there was no king. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which right in his own eyes. Now, I realize that God didn't establish Israel as a democracy, but it was a theocracy led by God. And I realize America was not established as a theocracy, but if you study history rather than trying to revise history, there's no question about it. Our republic was founded on biblical Christian principles. There are mountains of evidence and it's irrefutable. 
when we take God and the biblical morality out of our nation, it begins to unravel. That's why we've lost our foundation. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Remember what, what God did to the heathen nations who sacrificed their babies? He wiped them out. What about you and I? What about this country? God help us. Millions of babies every year are wiped out. Little innocent babies. No one any more helpless than a little baby. And yet they're done away with. Remember how innocent blood always cried out to God? Remember when Cain killed Abel? God said his blood cried out to me from the ground. Well, if the, if the blood of an adult cried out to the Lord from the ground, think how much the blood of the babies cry out to God. Who then judges the murderer? Remember when adultery was a sin, not just some sophisticated affair? I'm so tired of hearing, did you hear about so-and-so? They had an affair. That's not like something you do with your hair on your head, an affair. No, they committed adultery. They sinned. They committed adultery. Remember when adultery was a sin? Remember when it was punishable by death? Did you know if you was in service and they, they found you committing adultery, they would kick you out of the service? We no longer have drunkards in America, just people who've been stricken with a disease called alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if alcoholism is a disease, then it's the only disease sold in bottles. It's the only disease that's advertised on TV. The only disease that's self-inflicted by the will of man. It's the only disease that has licensed outlets to spread it. It's the only disease that produces revenue for the government. It's the only disease that brings violent death on our streets and highways. It's the only disease that propels one's health to self-destruction and increases crime. And yet they say, don't call them drunkards. You might embarrass them. You might embarrass them. Unless you're not doing a drunk a favor when we tell them they have a disease. Because we relieve them of any self-responsibility. I always tell young people, don't take the first drink. Yeah, that's right. If you don't take the first drink, you don't have to worry about the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the hundredth if you don't take the first one. The same is true for perverts. We say they were born with an alternate proclivity. Well, they were born sinner, just like everybody else. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there's a difference. The Bible says, in a way, they're all born with a sin nature, just like you and I. But they make behavioral choices and they need to take responsibility for what they do. God can help them with it. God can save them. If they'll reach out to him and cry out to him, God can save them. God can give them victory over their sin. But you never get the right diagnosis until you find the right cure. We kick God out of our schools along with the Bible and prayer. Now, I started to school over here in 1957 in the first grade. They didn't have kindergarten. I was seven years old. We didn't know what kindergarten was or preschool or any of that stuff. Amen. And the first thing the teacher would do is to take the old King James Bible. Mrs. Henson was her name. She'd open it up. She'd read about oh, a chapter, a scripture. And then she would pray. This is 1957. Okay? She'd read the Bible. Then she would pray. And before we'd go to lunch, she'd pray again. Well, somewhere between the first grade and high school, all that stopped. And I remember the first science teacher we got that was an atheist. He came from New York. 
Not against anybody from New York, okay? If you're from New York, I'm not, not preaching against you. He just happened to be from New York. And he would be teaching along, and he would try to uh, teach that man come from an ape. I'd raise my hand. Dad said, son, just shut up. He said, you're flunking the class. <laughs> I'd raise my hand, and I'd say, my grandpa may have hung from his neck, but he never hung by his tail. <laughs> he didn't like me. Feelings were pretty much mutual, I can tell you. Now, I wasn't where I should have been with God, but I knew better than to, to know that man come from a monkey. Okay, I knew, I knew better than that. And so they start teaching evolution, telling kids they're just animals. You know why they act like animals? They've been told all their life that they're an animal. Been told all their life that they've swung from their tail. That grandpa swung from his tail and grandma swung from her tail. One day the tail broke off and they landed on their feet. Then they went to college and became a professor. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Remember when gay was a good word? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went to school with a girl. Her, her middle name was Gay. First name was Donna. Some of you would know if I'd said her last name. Nice girl. The song says, now we don our gay apparel. You wouldn't dare say that today. They'd think you're weirdo for sure. And remember what the rainbow meant Amen. in the Bible? Amen. A sign of God's peace after he wiped out mankind for their depravity? Yeah. Well, it, it's representing depravity once again. Why has America forgotten about God? What did God do to Sodom? God rained fire and brimstone down on him. Why do we think we're going to be the exception? Right. Oh, Brother Danny, we're the United States of America. God wouldn't do that to us. I'm afraid you're wrong. Right. God's no respecter of person. Right. He says all the nations who forget God are going to be turned into hell. Yeah. I fear for this country. Judges keep striking down laws of common sense in favor of political correctness, which protects pedophiles and pornographers and criminals of all ranks. We've lost our moral compass. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. I do see a mass of believers getting involved in politics, running for office, taking their stand. Don't believe the liberal left that says because we believe in God, we should just shut up and go home. It's because we believe in God that we ought to speak up. There are sparks, but now we need to fan the flames. Our homes and our churches can affect our government. We may be heading for another civil war, but if so, this one's worth fighting. Jesus said to respect our government, render unto Caesar, but not at the expense of rendering unto God. 1 Peter 2 and verse 17. The Bible says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Notice, fear God comes before honoring the king. We're to fear God first. And then the Bible says that we're going to be making a choice. We're going to be put in situations where we must decide who to obey. Yeah. Are you going to obey the government? You're going to obey God. Right. Who are you going to obey? Acts 5.29 says that we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey God rather than men. 
And then judgment must begin at the house of God. And this verse I already quoted it once, but 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. If my people, talking about Christian people, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. When my dad used to want to talk to me, I had a tendency to look away from him. Yeah, I don't know if you did that with your dad or not, but I had a tendency to want to look away from him. He'd say, son, look at me when I talk to you. That's right. He wanted me to seek his face. That's right. Look at me. I'm talking to you. Get this down. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Yeah. Then, now what wicked ways are you talking about? Whatever wicked ways you may have. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their <laughs> land. The only thing that's going to save this nation right. is a healing touch of God. Amen. He's going to have to touch us. School boards are shutting off microphones to no avail. People are shouting down the school boards about this critical race theory thing. People are being heard. Parents don't want their children taught to hate other children because of skin color. I remember a little old song used to sing as a kid. Red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus didn't come to this world to save your skin or my skin. He came to save souls. And that's what he's doing. Let's bring back the glory to this nation. It can happen. But it's not going to happen automatically. I'm hoping that the meeting we're going to have down here this spring will do something for this community. I'm praying that this community will be revived. Not just this church. We need it. I'll bring it down personally. I need it. Okay, I need to be revived. I need to be stirred by the Spirit of God. But so does other churches and other preachers and other ministries. I pray for people to be saved. Let's bring back the glory of this nation. It can happen if you and I will get involved in it. Pray. So let's get a foundation under our families. Daddy, this is your responsibility. If you haven't done it before, start in the morning. Go home tonight, get your little scripture together. When you sit down to the breakfast table in the morning, that's why it's so important to have meals together. When you sit down to the breakfast table in the morning, read a few verses of scripture and have a word of prayer. Be surprised what that'll do for your family. Preachers get principles. Preach the word of God. Don't worry about what somebody may say or what somebody may think or what somebody may do. But preach the word of God. Have principles, biblical <laughs> principles. And then we can get God back in our government. That'll be the last thing that happens. Be getting God back in our government. So I want you to pray that these things would happen. All right. Uh, I dealt with this message this afternoon again, and uh, I thought, well, I'm going to do my best to try to share some things with you on it. And may God bless you for coming and listening tonight. I love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for your many, many prayers for me. Uh, my headache is much better. Not entirely gone, but it's better. And so I'm thankful for that. Thankful for that. Let's all stand tonight. Pastor, I'll turn it over to you.